Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Oh, baby, it's here. Fourth Down in the Steel City. Not talking about preseason games, not talking about training camp. Not that we didn't enjoy that, but real football is here, baby. Steelers, Bengals, Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah. I'm Crowley. He's Dunlap. Colin, are you excited? Oh, I've never been more excited. Um, just, I am. I'm, I'm really excited because I honestly, the variance on this, I thought it was last year, but this year, maybe trumps last year in terms of the variance on the record with this season and it wouldn't stun me like last year i I didn't know what i couldn't read it this year they could win 10 games they could win five games they win 11 games they could win five games and i could figure out a way to argue that that could happen would it be the worst thing in the world if they won five games this isn't the direction I thought we were going to go but if they win five games maybe you draft an actual left tackle to protect Kenny Pickett well, I don't know. If they won five games, it would probably, a lot of people would, it would probably yield that Kenny Pickett would play at some point and not be good enough, though, too. Mm. So I don't know. It would be probably, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but you'd have to, yeah, no, it would be, it would be pretty bad. And I'll tell you why. Because they built a defense right now to not yeah. allow them or not push them to a point in which they hit rock bottom. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. And I don't think they will hit rock bottom. I, I don't think there is all that much variance uh, in what their record could be. If all things are equal and they stay healthy, I think this is a seven to nine win team. I, I think Mike Tomlin has shown that he's, have you heard this before, Colin? Not going to have a losing season. Right. He's going to be around it. The Steelers are going to be in it. And I expect that to be the case this year. I expect some good things from Mitch Trubisky, albeit not great things from Mitch Trubisky. Let's dive into this Bengals game, though, before we maybe even give our season thoughts on the Steelers, Colin. We talked about this on the Fan Morning Show, and I think it's a wonderful discussion. Can you take a moral victory away from this game if the Steelers say, go into Cincinnati lose by a field goal, but look significantly better than they did against Cincinnati last year? No, not at, not at all. I'm not at that point franchise-wise. I don't know if I'll ever be there in my whole life. Um, and, you know, I'm old enough to remember Mark Malone and those guys, but not old enough to really have um, 
formulated thoughts that were that deep at that point, you know, 10 years old or whatever. But I, I can't get to that point and I don't envision, envision that point in my life where I get to and I say, all right, a moral victory is the Pittsburgh Steelers is something in the cards. I, just, I, I can't make myself get there. I can't. I could get there. I think I could get there pretty easy. They got blown out by Cincinnati last year, and that to me is wholly unacceptable to not be competitive with the Cincinnati Bengals, no matter how good they are. And they went to the Super Bowl, 41 to 10, 24 to 10, not competitive in either game. The second game was a total joke, total laugher. If they were to go into Cincinnati, frothing crowd, peeps are all fired up because their team from Kentucky really made it to the championship. And you come out of there and you lose by a field goal. It's a tight game. I think that could show that they closed the gap. And maybe this is, Maybe this is just mincing of words. Maybe this is, maybe this is, you know, going over things a little too finely here. Maybe that's not a moral victory. Maybe it just shows me that the team has grown, but that's all I'm looking for. I mean, if they can win game one, great, but that's all I'm looking for in this one. And then you see if you can get Cincinnati at home when you play them later on in the year. I can't, and I'll explain why. We all know what the defense is, and we know what the skill positions are. I'll tie it back to the quarterback position. This team, the designs were, they had two, they brought here after Ben Roethlisberger retired in the course of all that, two quarterbacks with NFL starting experience and they drafted one quarterback in the first round. That being said, I can't ever get on board with uh, moral victories. Unfortunately, what happened with Dwayne Haskins and you still have Mitch Trubisky and you have Kenny Pickett. Essentially, they brought in, not essentially, they did. They brought in three quarterbacks, two of which had NFL starting experience, and one was the very first pick taken after Ben Roethlisberger hit the road. That's why I can't ever get on board. Quarterbacks are most important position. They addressed it three times over with names that you recognize, not people, not Spurgeon Wynn, you know? (laughs) You couldn't have picked a better name there. They think they can win. That's why they're going with Mitch Trubisky because they think a veteran gives them a better chance to win than does Kenny Pickett, a rookie, in his first NFL start, it would be, uh, on the road against the defending AFC champions. I think this team can be okay, if not pretty good. I think 9-8, and eight, something like that. I didn't have in my 9-8 and eight, they're going to beat the Bengals twice. I imagine that they're going to lose to the good division teams at least one time. When the Steelers were at their apex playing great football and the Ravens were at their best and they were dominant defenses, we always used to say, oh, probably going to split with Baltimore. Now, they didn't in 08, obviously. Uh, In fact, they won three times against them. But that's the way I kind of look at it this year. I don't think they'd sweep Cincinnati. You get out of there if you – can keep your head above water for most of the game. I think it could spell some good things for later on in the season. Yeah, but now we're having two different conversations. We are. I don't necessarily think they could sweep Cincinnati. They might even be hard-pressed to win one of the games. But I don't think you can walk away from any of the losses and say it's a moral victory. Mm -hmm. Those are two different conversations. I appreciate it. I'm trying to think of the last time that I, I looked at a Steelers game and thought, you know what? They lost, but they played real well, and I felt good about it. I don't know that I've had even one of those in my life. Now, college Maybe when that one car different. brother came in with the Houston Texans. Oh, boy. Yeah, whenever they put up 114 yards and still beat the Steelers and Tommy Maddox. See, like, if West, like West Virginia last year, 
Okay. They played Oklahoma and they lost 16, 13. I thought they were gonna lose by four, seven, 475 touchdowns and they didn't. And so I was like, okay, this might be good. And then it wound up not being good college football. I can see that because teams, they, they have more talent than you in the NFL. Uh, I'm st- I, I see it your way. Uh, maybe moral victory. Isn't quite what I'm looking for, but building block. How about a building, a building block? block? A building block is a good way of putting it because Boy, they got a big gap to close between what they put out there last year against Cincinnati and what you hope they can put out there against Cincinnati this year. And I guess let's start here for the game. It's not like they can't go in there and win. Uh, Come on. They went out and they beat the Bills last year in game number one. Right. I think the Bills last year were better than Cincinnati last year, even though Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think if they would have played 10 times in the playoffs, I think the Bills win the majority of those games. So the Steelers went out there, they won that game. They can absolutely win this game, but I just need to see that gap be closed a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know. I, I'm i never satisfied if you're playing like skill and like ability and in the same league uh, with anything but a win. And yeah. I know that's a hard bargain, but you know if you're a U8 team or whatever and you play an under-10 team and – well, then I'll, I'll listen to you about stuff like that. Other than that, I just can't – I can't get on board with it. I do think that – you bring up a very good point. I think last year's week one Buffalo team is better than this year's week one Cincinnati team. Oh, I do too. I do too. And, and the Steelers I, found a way to, beat the, to, to win that game. And I think the recipe is kind of similar if they're going to win this one too. So I was on in Cincinnati radio the other day because I'm obviously such a huge deal, Colin. And they were talking about, the host was, Tony Pike was talking about Cincinnati didn't have a physical camp. Joe Burrow missed time. The offensive line played together for a couple of joint practices in that Super Bowl rematch of joint practices. And beyond that, not a lot of playing time. One of them ended in a fight and they quit it early. Yes, because, ooh, too much touching. And, you know, frankly, they probably should have. But Mike Tomlin, and we've disagreed with the way he does it in terms of playing time for star players in that last preseason game. But since they came out of this unscathed, Deontay Johnson looks like is going to play in this game on Sunday. Since they came out of this unscathed, it might actually set the Steelers up to hit the ground running a little bit quicker than Cincinnati and I do think defenses generally at this time of the year are one step ahead of the offenses. And that's what happened last year against Buffalo. So I do think there is a recipe there. No, I, I agree with you. I do think there is a recipe there. Um, it, it includes turnovers, though. And I don't necessarily need to classify the turnovers if it's the Cincinnati Bengals making a mistake or the Pittsburgh Steelers forcing that mistake. It just it has to include a turnover in my estimation. It, you can't – I don't think you can play them straight up and head up and end up outscoring them or winning this football game. It has to be Joe Burrow throwing an interception, Mixon putting it on the ground, Chase uh, as he's trying to fight for yards after catch fumbling, uh, or the Steelers coming up with an opportune tip and they, you know, return it all the way. Something has to break their way, and maybe even early. They, I don't see this team playing from behind either. Oh, man, I'm totally with you on that. And – I think if Cincinnati gets out to a quick start, it almost becomes the third game of last season, and you don't want to see that happen. But here's why the Steelers are going to win this game, Colin. You know what they call Cincinnati? The Queen City. 
She's dead, Colin. Oh, so you're tying it. I get that. I mm-hmm. understand it. I, I, that's a tough reference. Yeah, I, get that's the, one of those too get, soon situations. Get right? the offensive bad joke out of the way 11 minutes into the podcast, and then you just move right past it. I, I think you're right. And I actually think, not about the Queen stuff, I think that the recipe for this team this season is you've got to be more like you were going all the way back to 2019 when they forced, I think, like 1.8 turnovers per game. Right. You got to be more like that to help out your offense. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be better than Ben was last year, this year. He's going to move around. I think that's good for the offensive line, which is going to struggle. But you need to give him short fields. I don't think the Steelers are built to win shootouts. You take the ball away. You aid the offense a little bit more. I agree. Do you think the Queen's favorite player was London Fletcher? Favorite movie star, Paris Hilton? Wait a second. Huh. That's in France. Yes. Hmm. Second bad joke. Out of the way. Now Mine 12 minutes yet, into though. the podcast. Mine was good. Yours was good. Who is that Steeler that was from, wasn't there a guy from like Yorkshire? A practice squad guy. Christian Scotland Williams. Yes, he was a rugby player, and they had him. He was the longest tenured uh, outside of the tight end who they just let go from Pine Richland. He was the longest. What was that kid's name? Uh, uh, the tight end, I forget, from Youngstown State that now is no longer a Steeler. But uh, yeah. that Scotland Williamson was the longest tenured practice squad player ever. He was he was on a practice squad like eight years. It was wild. He had gigantic quads. Did he? I, oh my god! Did you ever see him walking is around? That, like, is that a rugby thing? It had to be. It was. I mean, he was put together. Haloti not a big rugby player. Kevin Rader is the guy I'm thinking of. That yes. is who you're thinking of. He was on the practice. He was on practice for like five years too. Yeah, he was bad. Do you like it whenever you make a good joke and then the person you're doing a podcast slash show with slash just hanging out with in your house makes a worse joke and overshadows how good your joke was? Yeah, I love it. It's, yeah. It takes all the air out of the room. Great stuff. Um, Paris so Hilton, he said. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Different countries, Colin. Same continent, though. Actually, do you remember when the Steelers went over there and, like, the easy play was all the Big Ben stuff? Oh, man. And Le- that was the game Le'Veon Bell jumped in the air real high, right? Yeah, that was his first game. He was mm-hmm. hurt in training camp and then came back, and they started 0-4, and Ben fumbled on the final Steelers' offensive possession. I remember it well. God, right. that team was bad. That team was so bad. And still, somehow, Colin, don't know if you know this, Mike Tomlin got them to have a winning record, uh, a non-losing record. That there year. it was, yes. Yeah. How much pressure is on Mike Tomlin? I want right to now? that next. Yeah. Yes, let's do it next. Yeah. Bengals, Steelers, Sunday at 1. We'll get to that. Mike Tomlin talk next. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Mike Tomlin never had a losing season. No Ben Roethlisberger. If Mike Tomlin Steelers do have a losing season this year, Colin, he's not going to get fired. There's no internal pressure on Mike Tomlin. 
But does the temperature get turned up nationally? Does the temperature get turned up by the fan base on Mike Tomlin if no Ben and now all of a sudden he has that losing season? Nope. I'll tell you exactly even how the national narrative is. Uh, we know how the local narrative will be. I think the local narrative will be a little sharper. But yeah. people will pay attention more to the national narrative, actually. It'll be now Mike Tomlin finally, it, almost as if it's a good thing, understands and goes through what just about every other coach in the NFL that has coached for a long time uh, has at one point gone through a losing season. And man, and the, the, the focus of it will be, man, he staved that off for a long time. He wasn't going to do it forever. And let's see how he bounces back. But it won't it won't be met with like it being such a negative. It'll be met with everybody does it. It just took Mike Tomlin a lot longer to get to that point. And in a way, I don't disagree with that. He's so a couple of years ago, he didn't have Ben. So, I mean, the narrative, if it were to be Mike Tomlin didn't have his Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe it was all in the Hall of Fame quarterback. Eh, they were eight and five a couple of years ago and Ben had played six quarters. Right. So I don't I don't put much stock in that. I think Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. I don't think he's going to have a losing season this year. If he does, the fan base will get a little antsy because it's already antsy because they haven't won a playoff game in five years. And I think a lot of the criticism is deserved. I think a lot of the criticism also is a little much for Mike Tomlin. Uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like without Ben. I really am. And I am fascinated to see how he handles this quarterback situation this year, Colin. And I, you know who Mike Tomlin is? Yeah. Mike Tomlin's Kirk Ferentz (laughs) for me, you know, Kirk Ferentz. I think he's the, I saw a graphic the other day. I think he's the longest tenured division one head coach. Right. And he's been at Iowa forever. And you say, well, in the early years were rough. So that's a bit different, but it was a college program and he cycles players through. And you say since like, I don't know, about 2000, I don't know, six or seven or so, you can count on Kirk Ferentz like being there and, you know, being in the mix for you and winning nine, eight, nine, ten games right in there. But can you count on him going to the Super Bowl? Probably not. Can you count on him going to the national championship and Kirk Ferentz? No. But can you count on him having a one-win season or a two-win season? No. I think their careers are like kind of the same guy that Tomlin sort of, I don't want to say morphed into Kirk Ferentz, but they're like, all right, you know what you're going to get. You're going to be in it. You're going to be in it at least halfway through the season, three quarters of the way through the season for a conference title, a division title, uh, as it relates to the NFL. And you're never going to have just a howler of a season, but you might not win the big one. Yeah. I mean, I think that's largely correct. You look at the odds and there are places that like the Browns to finish ahead of the Steelers in the division. And there's a lot of places that that's not the case. I would say it's much more likely the Steelers win the division than finish in last place. I just, I haven't. That's a great question. I haven't seen him do it, man. Like I haven't, we've, we haven't seen Mike Tomlin Steelers bottom out lower than eight and eight. And until I see it, I'm not going to predict it. The Browns will not finish ahead of the Pittsburgh. No way. They just, they won't. And by virtue of that, I mean, you have to look at it and think logic says at least one win against them, probably two. So there you are. There's two division wins right there. One would think 
Kevin Stefanski, the Browns could have made the playoffs last year. They finished eight and nine. I mean, they were right there, right behind the Steelers. And there were two games that I remember watching vividly, one of which was the Green Bay game, where Kevin Stefanski was calling pass plays when May, when Baker Mayfield's shoulder was falling off. And you have maybe the best running back in football, if not one of them, and the best maybe offensive line in football. Kevin Stefanski came in. He didn't win a playoff game, but his team won a playoff game. And he was the hot, sexy, new thing. Ooh, look how shiny he is. Nah, give me Mike Tomlin 10 times out of 10 over that guy. And same thing with Zach Taylor. You want to talk about this Cincinnati team? We had uh, James Rapian on. He covers the mm-hmm. Bengals for uh, SI. And he was talking about how he wasn't a big Zach Taylor fan in the early going in his time in Cincinnati. And I talked to a lot of people in Cincinnati who felt the same way and still kind of feel like despite what they achieved last year, he's not on the pulse the way that a guy needs to be. And they actually could have achieved more in the regular season with that guy. I would take Mike Tomlin over Zach Taylor too. beware of the shiny new object. uh, Colin. I think the jury's still out on Zach Taylor. Kevin Stefanski is this guy for me. He's the guy you ask him what time it is. And he gives you his directions on how to build a watch. Like he just can't, he's got to tell you his way or you ask him directions on how to get somewhere. And he gives you this convoluted 45 back roadway instead of just taking you on the interstate. He's that guy that always has to make it a measuring contest as opposed to just get from point A to point B. That's what he strikes me as. Yeah, I'm with you. And I mean, he just he makes things difficult. Uh, they could have been in a position last year to make the playoffs. And, okay, let's just have Baker throw the ball a whole bunch. The guy we like so much that we're going to oust him after the season. Just never liked that guy. Never thought he was uh, as good of a coach as Mike Tomlin. And it's the same thing for me for, uh, with, with Zach Taylor, which is another reason why I think the Steelers can go in there on Sunday and win. It, it, I don't, I'm not going to predict them to win, mm-hmm. but I do think they can go in there and win. Deontay Johnson's going to play. That's uh, a good thing for the Steelers, a bad thing for white wide receiver fans. Yeah, it seems like Gunnar Olszewski now. Poor guy. A, yeah, a, a drop down on the depth chart. Um, is Deontay Johnson playing because he's simply gutting it up and getting back out there, or is he playing because he can be very effective? I think there's a question there. Anytime he's eligible and he can play, you get him out there. There's a difference between being able to play and being very effective. I think he's probably playing because he's gutting it out. Right. But who knows? Because we heard that he could go back into that final preseason game. And then Deontay Johnson said, nah, I couldn't have gone back in the final preseason game. Then Mike Tomlin said early in the week, eh, we'll let practice be the guy. And didn't seem all that likely. And then now we find out Deontay Johnson's likely going to play. I honestly don't have a read. I would guess that because he was mentioned in the press conference earlier in the week and was limited early in the week, he's probably not going to be 100%, which means, is it time for that dog? Is it time for that George Pickens? Maybe. Game one? I think there's a danger in George Pickens here. And I'll tell you this. And it happens with a lot of rookies. In a way, it happened last year with uh, Green when they gave him 53 for some odd reason and started him right off the bat at center. I am I think George Pickens will be a much better player than Green will ever be a lineman, so. Kendrick Green. But there's a danger that we saw some circus catches in camp whenever he really wasn't guarded. 
there's a danger in that we saw preseason games and he showed out and he was good against vanilla defense. Yeah. There's a danger here that people are going to think that the curve is not as steep as it should be. He's still a, a receiver who's not a first round pick that's playing in his very first NFL game. That really means something. And I just, I hope there's a caution for fans that there could be a ramp up that it, it might take a little longer than what you've been tantalized with and what you, what you dream about him going 85 yards on the first play and then making becoming a volume guy in the middle of the game and scoring another touchdown later. I just, I, I, I caution people. Not only is he a victim of his own success, perhaps for what he did in the training camp in the preseason, but Deontay Johnson had a pretty nice year as a rookie with bad quarterback play. Chase Claypool had a good year as a rookie. And now this guy, he looked better than both those guys did at the same point in their careers. And he's going to be expected to come in day one and have to achieve superhuman things. I think you set the over under on catches for him at two and a half. When we talked about it on the fan morning show, I think that's a pretty good number. I do. Here's Especially, why. Yeah, go ahead. why. Yeah. I think they're still more comfortable going to Johnson. Mm-hmm. I think they're still more comfortable going to Claypool. I think they're still more comfortable going to Fryermuth. I think they're still just as comfortable throwing to Harris out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it, he's probably in a lot of in a lot of ways fourth option at best if all those people are on the field. And I mean, you look across at the opposition, and you've got Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and. I mean, those have been there, done that kind of guys, as Mike Tomlin would say. Mm-hmm. And you're going toe-to-toe with these guys. I don't think the way that you win this game is having to put up a bunch of points. I, I just don't see that. Um, but if you are going to get into a shootout, it's probably going to be the familiar names that help you get there. The Johnsons, the Friar Muths, the Najee Harrises. I would almost look for George Pickens to have a role in this game to where he could most help this team, where – they're, I don't, want to, I don't want to use any cliches, but they need a play and it's third and 11 and he catches a big 13 yard ball to keep a drive going toward the end. And he might only have two or three catches, but he makes a catch of consequence as opposed to making six or seven catches like people are dreaming about. I, yeah. I feel like that could be his role. And it could be a red zone type role right. as well, given his size, his leaping ability. Things of that nature. Yes, sir. Do you believe in the Cincinnati Bengals, Colin? Not this at all. year and beyond. Whoa, no. Oh, whoa, jumping right in. I don't. I, I don't. I I don't believe in the Cincinnati Bengals because I believe in the in the meat grinder that is the AFC that is largely grinding through because of the quarterbacks there. Because and the quarterbacks are all around the same age too. I mean, yeah, it's right. not like somebody's waning. If they don't take advantage, and this is crazy to say because they just went to the Super Bowl last year, if they don't take advantage of Joe Burrow the next two years on that rookie deal, man, this is this to me, this is it. I mean, this is massive for them these next couple of years, and they probably missed their opportunity last year because you just don't know if you're ever going to get back. I can buy that maybe Joe Burrow's Bengals can get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl when he is on that rookie deal. And I'll say it this way. 
I don't think he's as good as Justin Herbert. I don't think he's as good as Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's as good as Josh Allen. I don't know that he's as good as Lamar Jackson, depending on the day. And so if he's not as good as them, if you have to pay him less and pay the town around him more, okay, he might be good enough then to outdoor those guys and go to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. But if you're paying him more than or what Justin Herbert's making, what Patrick Mahomes is making, those guys are all better than him. And even if he grows, they have exponential growth ability even still because those guys are the freakiest people on the planet with what they can do. Joe Burrow's good, maybe great. Those guys are aliens, and you can't compete with that. Mixon, Higgins, and Chase aren't going to work for free. You know, That's right? <laughs> They're just not. And, you know, you look, whoever would envision a time with the Kansas City Chiefs that you'd sign Patrick Mahomes until he's 73 years old, but didn't you always think that he'd have his receiver there? And mm. by his receiver, I mean the guy that's now in Miami. Yeah. You know, there's going to be at some point, and it may be sooner rather than later, an evolution of his skill position players, i.e. somebody getting paid some uh, more money somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just it happened in Green Bay, too, with Devontae Adams. You get your money, you're going to pay the quarterback, obviously. And if you have to pay a wide receiver $30 bucks. I mean, why are you paying a quarterback that kind of money if you also got to pay the receiver? Shouldn't right. the quarterback be able to make a receiver? I don't know if Burrow's skills, and, and maybe this is blasphemous, are they transcendent like Brady, like Rodgers, like I see Allen, like even, even the Chargers quarter, or even like Herbert, are they transcendent to where he makes everybody better? Or does he just have a really nice pitch and catch combination with a guy he has a great relationship with because he's played in college with? I... I I think it's a fair question right now. Yeah. Is he, oh. is he a make everybody better guy three years from now? I think it's probably a little column A and column B. I think it was obvious when he came in that he was somebody who could elevate a franchise. But then you had Jamar Chase, who had a rookie year. Really, we've only seen a couple of other times before because of the rapport they have and the skill set that Jamar Chase has. So I think it's probably a little bit of both. It kind of worries me about the Steelers and where they're going to be, though. Not because they have to compete with Cincinnati. I think they're probably going to be okay there. But the Steelers didn't draft a freakazoid quarterback. They didn't draft a guy who's got the – there's not a lot of people on the planet who have them, but they didn't draft a guy who can one day project to do Mahomian things and uh, do Josh Allen things. They drafted Joe Burrow light. And if we're going to sit here and say that Joe Burrow isn't the guy the way those guys are dudes, what does that say about Kenny Pick? That means you can't win with him, but does it mean you can't get through the sea of quarterbacks? Can I? I think it might. This will be hashtag old, ta old takes exposed or whatever the heck it is. Let's All that it. kind of stuff. I, I don't think Kenny Pickett will play a down of consequence this year. I'm with you on that, actually. 100%. I think Mitch Trubisky will be QB1 for the duration. I think he'll play good enough to never lose this job. Yeah. I hate to ag agree with that because it would be more fun if we didn't agree. But I was on in Cincinnati yesterday. Second pop for it. We know. Yeah, I know. Uh, with Tony uh, Pike, uh, former yeah. Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback. Beat uh -huh. Pitt in 2009. Big game. Much taller than you, Tony Pike. Uh oh. Tony, guy. Yeah, massive human being, very deep voice, intimidating, yeah. Colin. 
And uh, while I was on that Cincinnati radio broadcast yesterday, uh, we, yeah, should I get it in one more time? I'm going on today too. How about that? There we go. Uh, um, while I was on, I lost my track. What were we even no, talking we were about? Talking about Mitch Trubisky not, uh, uh, not losing yeah. the job. Yes, and I, I said the same thing. He said, "When is Kenny Pickett getting in?" I said, "He ain't. Not unless Mitch Trubisky gets hurt." I think the Steelers, Colin, are going to be in this just enough. For Mike Tomlin to think every Sunday matters in the playoff battle, and he's going to be loath even if Mitch Trubisky's not playing great football. Mike Tomlin can say, "You know what? He's playing winning football," and he's going to be loath to go to the rookie. I'm totally with you on that. I feel it. I feel it. And All I right. it on Cincinnati radio yesterday. Up yeah. next, seventh Cincinnati radio. Yeah, we'll talk more about Steelers Bengals. Maybe a key player who you're not thinking about. I got one. I know Colin's got one, too. We'll get to that next. Fourth out of the Steel City continues. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. We got ball. Steelers, Bengals. The Steelers and the AFC champion, Bengals. It's crazy still to think that. It's crazy still to say that, but there they are. The Cincinnati Bengals, AFC champions. I got one guy that I think is going to make a play, Colin. And we talked about it a little bit on the Fan Morning Show. Uh, you asked us for one guy. My guy, Alex Highsmith. Oh, As that offensive why. line is uh, still gelling in Cincinnati. They got their hands full with Cam Hayward and TJ Watt and Larry Ogunjobi, who was an effective pass rusher last year. And I think they're going to take their lumps early. It's one of the reasons why I think the Steelers will cover in this game. I think their defense is going to get to Joe Burrow. And I bet you Alex Highsmith, because he's going to be the forgotten man, he's going to have a strip sack of Joe Burrow in this game, Colin. What say you? Can I tell you who's going to score the first Steelers touchdown of the 2022 football season? I want to, I know who you're going to say. No, you don't. I do. Cause I think I know you well now, Uh-huh. but I don't want to spoil it. So I want to type it into the chat at the same time that you say it. Okay. Right, type it in now. Type I'm it typing in now. it in now. Uh-huh. Three, two, one, go. Zach Gentry. Oh, oh my gosh. Let's go. You guessed yes. it. You absolutely. I think that Zach Gentry will score. Maybe not the first one. I'm going with the first one. He is going to score the Steeler white guy tight end touchdown, which has been scored by Jay Reimersma, by he, by Tuman, by a million different people, where he stands under the goalposts, he floats out, he, he uh, dummies like he's blocking, he leaks out under the goalposts, he catches it with two hands. He tucks it into his belly, and then everybody comes and pats him on the head. And he's just standing there wide open. Gentry you didn't even is mention Rob Blanchflower, man. Come on, Blanchflower. Yes, he's going to be that guy in double tights that leaks out after he releases from his block and catches it right over the middle. I'm feeling a Zach Gentry touchdown. You know what? And I think this this Colin, this is good because. If Deontay Johnson's banged up, and let's say he's not going to get the run he usually gets, get the burn he usually gets, why not ham up, go a couple of tight ends? You want to run the football, your offensive line stinks, and 
you feel pretty confident. I think they do in the tight ends that they have. They should absolutely feel confident in Fryermuth. Zach Gentry is a guy that was, they thought, an improved player this offseason. I like that pick. And here's the deal. You're a big, you're a big white tight end guy. I'm just a big tight end guy. It raced nonetheless. So it doesn't make a difference. So if you want to control the other team's offense, yet you can't really run the football because your offensive line is, isn't all that great. Mm-hmm. A controlled passing game, you can do both. You can pile up some yardage. You can also possess the football and kill clock, you know, take time of possession and keep that other team's offense off the field. That's why I think what we might see, at least early in the season, is a Steelers-controlled passing game. You might get some moans and groans from the peanut gallery, but this until the offensive line gels, or maybe if they never gel, I think Matt Canada might identify this because they're not going to have a whole lot of sledding running the football. A short, controlled passing game as his best way to, one, keep Joe Burrow off the field, and two, continue to possess the ball and move it down the field and score. Yeah, and they were awful last year on first down. Yes. They were worst in the league. I think it was 4.1 yards per first down play last year. I mean, that just can't happen. Right. It was a lack of creativity as well as a lack of being able to execute on the field. I mean, too often where they run in the ball on first down, and I think you need to back defenses off of you and you can't be predictable. In an offseason, if not for just improving your guys, uh, coaching them up is also about self-scouting, and you got to be better there. So I'm with you on that. I think Mitch Trubisky's mobility in this game, I think think we're going to see the full display of Mitch Trubisky in this game. I think he's going to keep plays alive that Ben Roethlisberger last season would never have kept alive. And then I think we're also going to see Mitch Trubisky probably run into a sack or two. He's going to run the gamut on Sunday, Call Right. Oh, I, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. I just, he needs to stay healthy. That's, you know, case number one in all of this. Yeah, and I don't, you can't alter your game. Right. I And the funny thing is, I don't know that he could do anything to protect himself. Like you either, you either drop back, you run the offense as it's called, boom, three steps out, five steps out, seven steps out, you're going to take hits, or you run around and you're going to take hits too. There, there. Mitch Trubisky is going to be a battered man this year. Can his body handle it? And if not, then you got Kenny Pickett. And I think the best thing for the Steelers, Colin, and we've talked about this before, is that Mitch Trubisky has a wonderful year because then there's a decision to be made at the end of the year, and you've now gathered an asset that you can use to move or you can move your first round pick that you just drafted and Kenny pick. It opens up the door to so many other possibilities if Mr. Trubisky's good. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think, I don't foresee, I, I, too many people for me have started to clock on the end of Mitch Trubisky's days when for me, it's just, this is the start of Mitch Trubisky's career as a Steeler. Why is it okay that Steelers fans some of them, not all of them, but some Steelers fans point to Ben Roethlisberger being clutch last year in the fourth quarter, and he's a winner, and he's a gamer. But when you bring up Mitch Trubisky going to the playoffs two times with the Bears, well, he wasn't very good. That was the defense and yada, yada, yada. I mean, Ben's numbers were bad last year, and a lot of people give him credit for getting there to the playoffs. Mitch Trubisky took those Chicago Bears, that franchise that has turned into crap, 
He took them there two times. That's got to matter if Ben's season last year matters to some. I agree. He's got a better record than Deshaun Watson as an NFL quarterback. Wow. I had not thought of it in those terms. He does. And, uh, well, he's a better guy. Jamie. And that, you know what, Colin, that's the other thing. Like Mitch Trubisky's super easy to root for. Like, if yes. he were a dick, I'd be like, okay, fine. Kenny Pickett, whatever, go. Because I like Kenny. Seems like a nice young man. Right. Mitch Trubisky's a good guy and has gone about this great. Dude, you know what, Colin? Do the Steelers have the nicest quarterback room in the league? Um, Yeah, maybe. You know what? Pretty good call. They they got three guys who you'd probably like to marry your daughter. Well, Kenny Mason's went to, on the fence. Kenny went to Pitt, so I'm out on there that. There you are. Mason has a uh, checkered dating past. He does. But so a high-profile one. High-profile <laughs> one. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know that I need him dating my daughter. But, you know, you can come over for dinner anytime you want. All right, Colin. Who, you got, who you got Sunday? Steelers, Bengals, final score. Any added thoughts? 27-23, the Bengals win. I'm right in the same ballpark. The over-under is 44 and a half. I'm actually going to go under. So I've got the Bengals 23, Steelers 20. I think there are some similarities between this game and last year's season opening game between the Steelers and the Bills. I just don't think the Steelers are going to get a block punt touchdown. And I think they're going to find a way to lose this game. But you know what? They're going to be 1-0 and in moral victories, my man. 1-0. and Huh. Fun. Where's that register in the uh, in the in the official statistics anywhere? It'll be in my personal record book. I keep one in my pub right next to me over here. Gotcha. It'll say Steelers one and O, Bengals O and one, moral victory standings. Colin, we'll talk again on Monday, and we're gonna break down the first Steelers football game post Ben. What if it's a tie? If it's a tie, nothing special plan. We're going to just do it. Yeah, we're just going to do the same show. Perfect. Yes, they tied to start the season a couple years ago against the Browns. They did. James Conner, not around to fumble, however. Yeah. That's going to do it. Bruce Arians, not around to commentate thereafter. Oh, Um, God, that was awful. That was terrible. Anyway, have a great weekend. Hey, Colin, you too. Yes. See you Monday, fourth down in the Steel City after Bengals Steelers.